0: Coming up this week on Breaking Badness, today we discuss the dark before the Avedon, ransomware authors launch an extortion site, next up, NSA and FBI, the bearer of bad news, and finally our fun game Two Truths and a Lie. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness, episode number 57, recorded on August 17th, 2020. I'm your co-host Kelsey, let not the pun go down on your wrath, LaBelle, with me co-host Chad Dancy Bear Anderson, and last but not least, Tarek, Mountain Out of a Malware Salah. Welcome back, everybody.
1: Thank you. Feels good to be back.
0: <laughs> Just... To clarify, Tarek, I know that you had a break week last week. When the wonderful Ryan Kovar came on, he really raised the bar when it comes to hoodie rating creativity, um, and he really embarrassed Chad and myself. So I think we need to really, we really need to go at that hard in episode fifty-seven.
1: Well, I'm excited to learn from this, from this, from him. I haven't had a chance to meet him, but it sounds like uh, he could teach us a thing or two about hoodie ratings.
0: Yes, and bowling. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'll stick with the hoodie ratings. I'm good on bowling. Thanks, though.
0: <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. All right. Well, we have two articles to get in today per usual. So let's start out with The Dark Before the Avadon. So as of August 8th, Avadon ransomware authors launched an extortion site in an effort to further incentivize victims to pay the ransom. So um, Tarek, you've done quite a bit of research you've been very busy these last few weeks on this uh, particular ransomware and so before we get into some of the more recent news can you provide some of that helpful historical context we like to provide
1: yeah absolutely so um is just another um new uh piece of ransomware that falls under the ransomware as a service category um and so ransomware as a service is a really interesting and unique newish kind of model when it comes to uh, cyber criminal threats um, so this ransomware as a service model generally uses like an affiliate program so um, now it all it really only takes a uh, individual who has some sort of a connection or a part of a cyber criminal forum to engage with these ransomware service operators and authors to be able to get a, a copy of this ransomware to go ahead and deploy and usually the way that it works is so rather than those individuals not knowing how to write malware, they don't know how to generally write their own malware. They don't know how to write their own ransomware. And so ransomware as a service is really just an opportunity to lower the technical barrier. So you don't need to know how to write code anymore to be uh, to have your own unique ransomware to come and deploy out. And so as a part of this kind of a sharing model, this uh, ransomware operators generally get a split of the of the money. So anytime a victim uh, actually pays the ransom. A chunk of that uh, portion of that profit goes over to the uh, ransomware operators. And then the other chunk goes over to the customer, if you will. So, Avadon is uh, a new, and it's actually been seen in the wild too recently. So, it's kind of a noteworthy piece of new ransomware as a service.
0: Ah, uh, yes. Avadon in the wild, our next Nat Geo report from Tarek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm curious what has piqued your interest then to further investigate this ransomware.
1: You know, um, so there's a a couple different things. Number one, I saw a couple really interesting. I try to monitor VirusTotal and a couple other malware repositories uh, for anything kind of unique or interesting. So I did come across uh, one of the many uh, Avidon domains out there uh, just from just digging into VirusTotal kind of data. Um, There wasn't a lot of data on it. There was just a uh, kind of a known malicious domain um, that's kind of historically been a part of some other cyber criminal activity. And then I um, I also try to monitor a lot of these cyber criminal forums with different sock puppet accounts to just kind of gauge and see where trends are going and, you know, what's hot and what's kind of dying out in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the marketplace out there for cybercrime. Um, and then the uh, authors of that on, I noticed actually a thread on one of these forums that I follow where they just kind of fired it up and they're starting to, you know, take customers and uh, they're starting to go ahead and distribute their uh, ransomware out there to different people. And then those two areas coupled with a really interesting article and um, in Bleeping Computer that mentioned a massive in the wild email spam campaign uh, with Avadon loaders included in them. So it was kind of three things kind of all at once. Um, it was within a span of a day or two. And I was like, okay, this whatever this Avadon thing is, it's starting to actually kind of catch steam and uh, get kind of hot. So I'm going to kind of dig into things
0: you know, the universe speaks to people in really creative ways. And for you, it's ransomware.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a nerd like that,
0: I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. And one thing that's really awesome in the research that you did is you dig into a lot of the vocabulary used on the forums themselves and are able to identify some of the ransomware's victimology. So I'm curious if you could share a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. So um, a couple of these cybercriminal forums, not all of them, but a couple of them, that I monitor and kind of frequent are uh, Russian in nature, or Russian in origin, excuse me. And when I say that, it's Russian language only. And a lot of these cyber criminal operators will only do business, if you will, with those that operate or speak Russian. Um, So it's very much a a tight-knit community in that regards. Um, And then bringing it back to Avaddon specifically, um, just like how when we uh, accept end-user license agreements for software for normal software, uh, Avaddon actually has a EULA too. Um, and one of those uh, really interesting points in the EULA is um, it explicitly calls out to only use VAD-on for non-CIS or Russian victims. And so CIS, for those who aren't aware of that acronym, are it's a Commonwealth of Independent States, and Essentially it's just ex-Soviet Union states. So uh, Ukraine, Azerbaijan, Russia, etc. So this is kind of like the geolocation area of uh, that's essentially deny listed, if you will, if you want to use a different kind of terminology for using a and on N2. And part of that is um, number one, you know, the authors are likely Russian in origin or, you know, of a CIS nation in origin, and they don't want to attack their own uh, citizens. The other hand is Bulletproof hosting and uh, the Russian government's lack of involvement into that um, is a pretty popular and notorious thing. Brian Krebs has a phenomenal book on bulletproof hosting that I recommend everybody kind of read. It's it's a really good one about uh, in terms of like uh, law enforcement corruption, turning a blind eye to a lot of these types of cyber, cyber criminal activities that can be traced back to actual individuals, and those individuals never see prison because they're either paid off um, or uh, the government doesn't really care because it's not attacking anything in their interests. Um, so very interesting stuff. But and if on totally fits into that um, into that kind of category. Um, in terms of which countries seem to be the most affected, well, you know, obviously we don't have endpoint telemetry from all computers around the world. Uh, but what we do have are um, multiple data sources of malware um, and the location of where that was uploaded to. So, for example individuals and um, and that's part of the victimology of the research that I uh, kind of published was taking a look at the origin IP address of people that submitted a vet on binaries to virus total and kind of broke that down and one of one thing I thought was really interesting is how prevalent it seems to be in Asian countries like Korea, Japan and China. so pretty interesting there.
0: Wow yeah, that's super insightful. I appreciate you going to the level of detail you did and the research. And that was fun because Tarek actually walked us through exactly what he was looking at. Um, So I appreciate you sharing that externally on the podcast as well. That's quite fascinating. And getting more into the the recent news, which you've touched on a little bit, is how the authors are putting up together some extra incentives (laughs) for victims to pay ransom and what that program looks like.
1: Yeah, so um, th- this is a term that um, or this is a tactic that the Avedon uh, authors are doing. It's called double extortion, um, and it's a tactic that really started with the maze ransomware back in 2019. So number one, traditional ransomware um, extorts, right? This is part of that, uh, the ransom process. It tries to extort the user into paying, paying the uh, ransomware operator. Um, hey, I've encrypted your files. Pay me a certain amount in Bitcoin or whatever the cryptocurrency is, and I'll give you your a decryptor so you can get your files back. Pretty standard issue ransomware that's been around for like a decade. But Maze kind of changes the game with double extortion, and double extortion is uh, it's twofold. Number one, it's I'm gonna uh, the ransomware will encrypt all of your files and uh, give you a ransom note. But number two, uh, there's now usually a countdown timer of when you are able to actually pay. The ransom to get your files back. So you have a time limit, and then number two, the uh, the files that were encrypted are exfiltrated to an attacker's server, so they have a copy of your files. Uh, and then number three, the cherry on top is the the other part of the extortion. The ransomware operators will go ahead and publish your data to the public, so anybody can go ahead and just access all of your sensitive files. And you know, that generally is um, that might not be a big deal to certain individuals, um, you know, maybe small, medium businesses with one infection. They really don't care. But what's really interesting is taking a look at the victimology and excluding out home users. This could be really uh, potent in terms of, you know, revenue generation. If you hit like a VIP target, you know, the potentiality of hitting like a, a large enterprise that has, you um, you know, really sensitive intellectual property that they don't want to get released or leaked or certain emails that could land them in legal trouble. Um, there's all kinds of scenarios you can kind of think about and walk through where this type of double, double extortion tactic can be really, really effective. Um, in terms of payouts, I know Mays generated at least $2 million in in profits from just using double extortion uh, by itself.
0: Wow. Yeah the the time limit too just increasing the urgency there from the victim it's uh pretty terrifying how these ransomware as a service groups are so great at taking traditional business practices and applying them <laughs> to the totally. world of cybercrime uh it's quite concerning
1: yeah and 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 just like to kind of definitely agree with you on the concerning thing what makes it even more concerning is that Threat actors learn from each other, right? Just like how we do as defenders, we learn from each other. If you have a certain way of protecting uh, or defending against the threat, I wanna know it so I can kind of do that too. And and threat groups operate in the same way. So, you know, um, ransomware operators are, they read the news just like us. If they see that the maze ransomware is generating millions of dollars, well, they're gonna go ahead and and replicate those efforts, right? So if if, if one threat group has a way of doing things really effectively, then we as defenders can take a look at it and be like, okay, listen, like this is going to be an ongoing trend. So I feel like the ransomware landscape is going to shift over time and maybe even dramatically towards double extortion being the new standard.
0: And in 2021, we'll talk about thrice extortion.
1: Oh no. I don't even want to know what the third part would be. (laughs) It sounds scary.
0: I know. I don't even know what that could be, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound good. (laughs)
1: <laughs> but it ain't good, yeah.
0: It's <laughs> not good. That's all you gotta know. <laughs> um, well, getting back to the, the technical makeup here of this ransomware, can you walk us through the initial loader?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, and a loader is a, um, a piece of terminology um, that we use to describe like that initial, really small piece of code, uh, that really small piece of malware that gets uh, sent in a lot of um, um, attacks. So for example, if you take a look at like mail spam attacks, like with malicious attachments, you're going to see a really common loader code. Or if you're a pen tester, uh, oftentimes you're probably using Metasploit to generate your own loaders. And a loader is just really a small piece of software that go goes ahead and either drops or downloads um, additional malware for um, you know further kind of operations. And what was really interesting here is that VAD-on everland didn't bring anything new to the table in terms of its loader and keep in mind too when i say avaddon i'm talking about this specific customer of avaddon and how they distributed their very large spam attack this isn't the avaddon authors doing this is a customer of avaddons um and so with this specific attack there was um a really tiny piece of javascript attached to an email with a uh, file extension spoofing so that in this case, it represent, it was a file name with pic in it. So it looks like a picture with the um, file extension JPEG. But at the very end of it, there's also an ex, a double extension of .js. So maybe to the casual viewer, depending on your email client, this looks like an attached picture. Um, so this is, this is a type of attack that's been around for quite a long time. Um, and it's still, uh, based on how avadon has been successful, it still works. Um, and so that was a very, that was the initial presentation. Um, when you peel back that, um, that loader code, and you can see this in my write up too, it's extremely juvenile. There's a little bit of junk code in there, um, just to really kind of throw off maybe a human analyst, but it's not going to throw off, um, a machine that's analyzing that, you know, that's like analyzing malicious code, stuff you see kind of baked into your appliances and whatnot. Um, but this is kind of interesting because this initial loader code really is targeting um maybe older operating systems that run Internet Explorer uh, because it's calling ActiveX objects, which don't really execute inside of the context of um uh Internet Explorer. Uh or I'm sorry, in the context of Edge, the new browser that replaced Internet Explorer. So really affecting older Windows 7 and maybe unpatched Windows 10 devices. Um and then from there, there's kind of a two like a little fork on the road where The loader code will either try to run PowerShell to download um, the actual Avadon binary from a specific IP address. And then there's another fork that'll use the bits admin, which is a legitimate um, Microsoft process to try to download um, the same binary. So very lightweight. Um, The code, the initial loader code was completely kind of unobfuscated. So really not targeting sophisticated high-end Uh, like endpoints with really good AV. Just this is more targeting maybe small, medium business um, individual users.
0: I have to say I love when threat actors or code are described as juvenile because it feels like the ultimate slap in the face. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, imagine hey. listening to a podcast about your code, they'd be like, "Yes, it's juvenile." I'd Be like, oh, <laughs> "No, hey,
1: whoever's behind this, uh, behind this attack, I'm sorry, your code, your code stinks." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I always do say is that you don't need to be sophisticated to be effective.
0: That's true. You can be juvenile.
1: You can be weak and juvenile and lame (laughs) and still make a lot of money, so (laughs) unfortunately.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's true. It's true. Well, I'm curious, too, just getting into our final few questions. How can one really keep an eye on these types of operations? How can you consider protecting yourselves and preventing this type of ransomware situation?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, if you work in the threat intelligence space, I definitely recommend... um, keeping an eye on Avadon's uh, Onion site. So they have an extortion website itself uh, where anybody can go to over the Tor network and take a look at it. The link to that Onion site is in the research of uh, as a part of our blog. So feel free to go to that site and take a look. That's how you can kind of keep up to date on the threat intel side of the house for more traditional defenders. This really comes to taking a look at your security controls across that. Yeah, I know it's a term used all the time, that onion of security, right? So you want to take a look at your email appliances, because that's such a common vector for ransomware. And make sure that your email appliances are really able to inspect email attachments and in URLs that are sent out. That's a very quick win you can do there. Uh, number two, make sure you have a strong antivirus deployed on your uh, endpoints that you manage, um, preferably something in the EDR space. Um, but also keep in mind, Windows Defender is still with cloud production, still not bad. Uh, and it's free. And then, you know, lastly, just never uh, pay that initial ransom if you do uh, by chance get infected. But yeah.
0: I want to know is there an onion site for the onion? Like an onion publication for the onion?
1: Onions on onions, huh?
0: Which is kind of like a triple double entendre pun because (laughs) it itself has layers, which is onion like. So.
1: Oh my God. um, I'm crying. (laughs) <laughs> this is like the movie inception right now we've gone so deep
0: <laughs> onion inception to the root if you will pun intended <laughs> all right but before uh chad keeps crying um i want to hear both your hoodie ratings on this and chad i'll start with you how big of an impact do you think this is on that scale of zero to ten
2: yeah you know i think like tark was saying you know they're um these groups are rather these affiliates are targeting more and more small businesses, small and medium businesses that can't really recover from this at all. Um, So, you know, I'd say this is particularly serious. And and because the new double extortion method has been proving to be effective to get people to pay, right? They're like, there's a theory that Garmin paid um, and that some other folks have paid recently. They're making a lot of money doing this. Um, And small businesses are going to be inclined to do that, Um, which is just, it sucks because, uh, yeah, it's just gonna increase the number of attacks that come. But like Tark said, hopefully no one, uh, no one will pay. Um, anyways, as for a hoodie rating though, um, you know, I would probably do this as like a, a hoodie with the sleeves removed, uh, no, no hood, hood removed as well. And then maybe as a crop top, it's like a 40% hoodie, like four out of 10. But in the interest of double extortion, I'm putting on two of these crop top, sleeveless, hoodless hoodies for an eight out of 10 on this one. <laughs>
0: I appreciate your parkour method there. Yeah, your most creative way to get to the to get to the destination of that hoodie rating. I appreciate it. I think Ryan Kovar would be proud.
2: Well, and the the hoodies, you know, in this case, have layers just like onions. Um, you know, it's two <laughs> layers at least. Um,
0: Got fleece inside. Yeah, fleece inside. Warm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> maybe the second one's inside out. I don't know. Just mix it up.
0: Tark, what do you think?
1: <laughs> you know i agree with that eight out of ten not from a um not from a sophisticated perspective uh but more from like a trend perspective right like we're gonna see more and more uh prevalence of double extortion uh where we're gonna have less and less sophisticated uh ransomware kind of adopt that and uh, i think we're just gonna see more success in that area so uh from an attacker perspective um so always concerning on that level eight out of ten
0: i feel like the only way I can hear "double extortion" in my own head is like a monster truck rally announcer. Double extortion. <laughs> the only way it sounds right to me. So if you could edit that um, when you're when you're speaking in the future, I'd like you to refer to it in that tone. Is that possible, Tarek?
1: Oh, I think I think I can. I need to grow a ponytail and have that hoodie that uh, Chad was talking about. Yeah. I think I'll be ready for it then. I Already. expect
2: you to pull up in Grave Digger too. Oh, oh, my
1: you beat me to the Grave Digger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want there to be a um, like a little hole in the back of the hoodie for a ponytail. Has that not been done yet? Because it should happen. I'd like to put that out there into the world. Mm. And yeah, maybe like a.
2: a uh, there need to be different ones, like a top knot potential uh hoodie as well you know you gotta let that top knot breathe because everyone really 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 wants to see it
0: gotta let that top knot. you know honestly (laughs) though i think this could solve two for one problems first of all you don't have that like weird bump um in the back of Mm -hmm. your hood and second it keeps the hood up i have a very Mm -hmm. small like head and frankly it's yeah (laughs) um yeah, yeah 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 <laughs> uh, my wife says my head doesn't, you know, like, um, if anybody watches Shit's Creek, they call Patrick a thumb. And, um, I said that about myself. I was like, oh, I look like quite the thumb. And my wife was like, actually, you look like a pinky. Like I am just a very small headed person. Mm. It's quite the slap in the face. So I'm like, oh, you the burn. Paperwork is- I know yeah. she's good at that. Anyway, keeps me on my toes, but yes, I would like that. Because everything just slips off my head. And so if I had my ponytail, just or my top knot, um, to Chad's preference, clearly he loves top knots based on um his reaction there. I oh yeah, that- top knots
2: worldwide. It's my yeah. brand.
0: Top knots, top knots. You know what I'm saying?
2: <laughs>
0: <Top>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, Chad, I'll save you here. Let's get on to your article, which is NSA and FBI, the bearer of bad news. So the NSA and FBI are jointly exposing malware that they say Russian military hackers use in cyber espionage operations. So this week's theme is really just straight up Russia. Um, (laughs) That's the takeaway here. Yes. Um, Not that I'm Russian to conclusions. Um, But Chad, obviously there's a lot to unwind in what the NSA and FBI provided. So let's start with the malware highlighted in this report known as... uh, drovo rub yeah is
2: that right? um what can yeah. you tell us about this
0: it's like a vix
2: vapor rub that um i don't know ins- <laughs> ruins your day instead um <laughs> no, no that was stupid uh no the name drovo rub um it's a uh, it was actually given to it by the authors it wasn't something that you know nsa or fbi came up with um the rough translation is like chopped firewood or chopped wood um so make with that what you will but um this is a new discovery that they were unveiling um it's been around for a little bit from the looks of it. And it's a, it's particularly, it's a root kit, um, which is kind of a big deal since there's, there was some research at Black Hat this year that like root kits are on the rise again, um, just to kind of give everyone an idea of what root kits are is, um, you know, typically there's a there's a process on the system that's running. If it, if it's malware, you know, something that you can actually introspectively look at. A rootkit installs itself in the very kernel, like the central system of your your operating system. Um, and it, it can sit there, and it's particularly nefarious and hard to spot because it can intercept system calls or anything else, and then just return like everything's normal. Um, so it's it's a particularly advanced piece. In this case, it, you know, um, it doesn't look like. Drovo Rub is doing a lot of that, um, from the analysis that I read, but um, it is it is doing some, and it is particularly like uh, you know uh, well hidden. Um, but and then the last thing that's kind of interesting about it is it's targeting Linux systems, um, so lot, it's probably going after server platforms since it's not and never will be the year of Linux on the desktop. So um, that's kind of where we're at.
0: Are we sure this wasn't sort of a pun with the wood? reference and the root kit there's something there i think they're being playful. Mm. that must be it
2: yeah they're listening i know that the gru is listening to this podcast and it's just like we need to make something that they can use on breaking badness you know
0: could you say um it grew on mm.
2: mm-hmm. that that's all i see is actually just despicable me i assume everyone who <laughs> who works in that intelligence department looks like the guy from despicable me uh, that's just in my head when I see it. You know, if I have <laughs> dreams about malware, they're all just like coding. It's the Despicable Me guy.
0: Do when you're like in your dream reading the code. Is it the little yellow things though that are spewing it? Because that is quite cute to imagine. I will say.
2: Yeah, actually, that's whenever I see Cyrillic. That's how I read it. Is just like it's a little minion voice,
0: blah, 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 blah. like that kind of.
2: Yeah, boy. boy. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh boy! Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, go. They got to go. go back to the KGB name. I mean, it was just it was it was more nefarious <laughs> before Despicable Me came out. I feel
0: that's true. That's true. That really hurts some image there. So, yeah. Not what their marketing department was hoping was hoping for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm curious though. Is this malware? Not that we've spoiled this in any way with our references here, but is it linked to any specific APTs? And who are the typical targets um, of this particular malware?
2: Yeah, so it is uh, APT28, also called Fancy Bear, which is a part of the uh, GRU um, uh, or tied to the GRU typically, as that's what folks say. Um, and they usually go after you know intelligence targets and uh, Western governments and such. So it's just typical Russian state-sponsored um, stuff here.
0: Excellent. And why did the U.S. officials publish, publish this report? These things don't come along super often. So what was the urgency and what was um, the, the cause behind that decision?
2: Yeah, you know, we're coming up on uh, elections. I know that um, if you dig a little bit deeper what? into all this, too. The, uh... Is something
0: happening this November?
2: Yeah. Um, oh. I, I don't know. Yeah. I... <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I think that, you know, the intelligence community is a little frustrated with how much they've reported on Russian interference in elections. Um, so they probably, that might also be a little bit behind, um, you know, why they're putting this out about Russia. Um, just kind of like wanting to bring more light to it, I guess, again, but, but really this report was coming out because, um, they've seen this, uh, This rootkit being persistent for a while. They have multiple reliable ways for detecting it, um, both on live systems, which is rare for rootkits. Um, oftentimes you have to, uh, shut down a system and compare, um, with a tool, the, the files that have been modified with known good files to see if, uh, you know, a rootkit exists because it's, it's doing introspection or not introspection, but rather interception of system calls, uh, when the the system's actually live, you know, maybe faking that everything's normal. But so they have reliable ways to tell for it, both network signatures um, on system scripts to talk to the implant, which talks to the rootkit um, and eliminate it. So um, all that kind of coming together, I think it's just a, it was a time for them to call Russia out for some things um, uh, from the intelligence community.
0: Interesting. And I'd love to just pick your brain here on some of the takeaways from the report itself.
2: Yeah, uh, I think... You know, for me, one of the things I see here is that uh, Russia continues to be probably the most advanced state-sponsored adversary out there, um, you know, next to, I would guess, equation group, <laughs> as we'll say. But, uh, and that, you know, rootkits are kind of on the rise and particularly dangerous because of how uh, they can hide themselves um, and because of how much of a pain it is to find them. You know, and if, if you look at some of the things that we used to use to hunt for rootkits, like uh, rootkit hunter, um old Linux binary been around for a long time it hasn't had an update since 2018 um you know there's there's probably some some work that needs to be done on detection if that's like kind of the the path that these more sophisticated malware authors are going in again and we're and, kids you know they've continued to be around but just not as as popular as some other things so um yeah I think the key takeaway is that maybe this this is coming as a um, a new spike in, in malware that uh, you know, has an initial implant and dumps a rootkit.
0: I'd love to see the federal government and really in any type of report have a more playful, like about the author section. Like you might have at the, uh, the back page of a book with like a nice headshot, mm. and some of their passions and yeah, just a, a quick summary, you know, I think that'd be nice.
2: Yeah. they I mean- are
0: authors after all, you know,
2: that's true. I mean, you do get that on some intel reports um, The people look very stoic, though, you know,
0: so and uh, so is a
2: senior agent, at the, you know.
0: They yeah. probably look a lot happier at the meet and greet, I would imagine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the book yeah. tours,
0: they so really bring it in.
2: Yeah. That's where you make the money. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's true. All the different uh, FBI offices you go to around the Navy. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, so how did U.S. officials link uh, drove a rub to previous Russian military efforts out of curiosity?
2: Yeah, so the C2 that it was beginning out to, um, well, it was just a sort recycling of some old infrastructure. Um, so they were able to see that it ties other APT, 28, Fancy Bear, DRU stuff. And uh, just say that, yeah, that ties them together pretty much.
0: Didn't take the time to change the old infrastructure, huh?
2: Yeah, nobody does. It's it's hard. Like, why would you? You know, especially when you know that there's really nothing to, like, fear. Um, about being extradited, <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so that doesn't help incentivize. Um, yeah, indeed, and and so I'm curious too. And you highlighted a, this a little bit earlier, but I'd just be curious what some of the more interesting components of the malware highlighted in the report were, in your opinion.
2: Yeah, so they took apart. Uh, they took it into three pieces, or sorry, four pieces. Um, there was the database and server component, which it compromises the C two. Um, and then there was the implant and the rootkit itself. Um, the implant, of course, uh, you know, through phishing or however else they get it there, um, installs the rootkit, um, which then communicates to the C2 and the database. Um, and that server component is kind of where people then are interacting with the, um, the bots after they come online. Um, so other components that are important to note here is that this just infects, like, Linux 3.7 and lower. Um, so that's an older version. I, I believe that may be, like, even past, like, long-term service at this point. Um, but it's probably still out there. You know, uh, As of today, we're on general lease for Linux uh, 5.8. Um, I installed it this morning, actually, like five eight one came out. So that was for widespread adoption. But um, so older servers, though, are, of course, still vulnerable here um, if they're on Linux 3.7. And unfortunately, these older servers are oftentimes the technical debt with a lot of old data that companies find so valuable and can't get rid of. So um, if it is targeting older Linux, uh, that's it's probably still a very valuable space for them to go into if they're uh, doing intelligence work or or any of that. So um, yeah, I think those are the interesting components of the malware, certainly from the reports and just that it's uh, it's so compartmentalized too. You know, like it looks like from the data they posted on the server bit that like there could be multiple um, users, I guess, um, interacting with uh, these infected machines at any given time.
0: Wow, interesting. Thank you for digging into that and sort of bubbling up some of your takeaways there. And uh, I think the, the question that we've been building to here is, you know, the election, as you know, we all know, is only a few months away. Does this put a pit in your stomach?
2: I mean, absolutely. I, I still don't think the move for Russia is actually like vote manipulation. Um, that's pretty, um, you know, brazen still, uh, but rather, you know, to do influence operations. Um, Changing votes is a risky move, but maybe purposefully disrupting polling centers or, um, you know, doing things like dropping voter registration databases, which we've seen those just magically disappear other places Um, like the election servers in, I believe, was Georgia um, last year. We actually talked about that on the podcast or maybe two years ago at this point. But, um, yeah, I think that that is more their style, uh, Which, but we'll see in the months to come. There's a lot going on right now with uh, voting for certain, um, and it's all unsettling. So a pit in my stomach, certainly, but uh, uh, we'll just, yeah, ride this out like all the other elections.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's head into those hoodie ratings then. Tarek, after hearing Chad's download there on um, this notice, what would you rate this at for the hoodie rating?
1: Yeah, I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10, because what we have is a tried and true, extremely sophisticated threat group, um, you know, that has clear adversaries identified um, and a clear use of weaponization of these tools. Um, And we don't have a here's the tough part. We don't know how widespread this is. Um, The scary part is kind of like what Chad already outlined, which is the amount of stale infrastructure that. Private and public sector have out in the wild and on the internet and on internal networks too. So this is this this is just yet another weapon in um this threat group's uh, tool belt that um we've seen time and time again be used right. Um. So we have all the the hallmarks here. We have the intent. We have some really sophisticated tools, and we've seen these people, uh, this threat group, do this. Uh, you know, take action before. So. I'm gonna give this a 10 out of 10. Um, we like Chad said, I, he's totally on the money. Like we probably won't see actual vote manipulation. Uh, but you know, this implant or this rootkit is phenomenal for data collection, especially on sensitive systems. So uh whether that's you know, you know, there's uh allegations right now of you know uh Russian-based threat groups that are trying to gather intel and IP and research on COVID vaccines or, you know, uh, disinformation campaigns or, or, you know, through voting. Um, yeah,
2: 10 out of 10.
0: Excellent. And Chad, would you agree with that?
2: Absolutely. You know, I've, I've taken off my hoodie at this point, thrown it aside and pulled my Adidas tracksuit out of the closet, you know, and put that on. It's, uh, (laughs) it's, it's it's bad, uh, sad, bad.
0: I'll have to say on that note too, speaking of tracksuits, a long time ago, like four years ago at our company, we do hack days every year, as many tech organizations do, um, and one of the winners was always the funniest um, funniest presentation or idea, and there was somebody in our accounting department that did a whole presentation on why we needed to buy DT branded tracksuits, um and it was fantastic and I think it it needs to happen we need some Breaking Badness tracksuits I still
2: support that a hundred percent
0: and they have to be snap ons too I mean I'm just putting that out there oh you mean like a
2: full tearaway yeah, uh tear-away. you know I that may be a little too far um because I I don't know about you but I just like I absolutely can't resist the tearaway um <laughs>
0: well that's why we need there's... Breaking Badness shorts. Oh, under the tearaway.
2: Yes. And so we're always ready to ball is what you're saying.
0: Yeah. I mean, we already yeah. are, but we should look the part is kind of what I'm saying.
2: I'm into it. Um, we also need yeah. a tiny matching uh, track suit for a uh, Tar's dog Roland is the, my only request out of this entire purchase. <laughs> Duh, comrade.
0: Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs) 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 oh my gosh well thank you both for going to both of those articles and of course we must play our fun game two truths and a lie Mm -hmm. and i believe chad is up this week and so his goal he's going to read three article titles two are true one is a lie and Tarek and i are going to try to sniff them out and if Tarek and i are right we get a point chad deceives us cruelly he gets a point um it's actually a very tight (laughs) scoreboard right now i'll say so this one not to you know continue to build pressure for you chad but just don't mess us up okay you don't want to mess it up
2: you know I, i've been like really just letting you guys have a couple wins um so that i can come through uh, and just okay. really crush through the end of the year but um so you know if you guys are ready for easy mode i'll just kick it off now oh, oh yeah, so yeah, you're yeah, playing sure possum percent. with us i see yeah. all right <laughs> uh, all right so uh let's see what should we read first um uh, Nine health companies leak over 200,000 patient records via GitHub. Uh, Malicious Tor relays comprise more than 50% of the Tor network in new research. And then 600-plus organizations hit by single Office 365 phishing campaign.
1: I'm going to go with the Tor one. Hmm.
0: I'm going to have to agree mm. with Tarek, but before we even do that, has everybody seen the InfoSec tweet that was uh, had gone viral quite a few months ago? It's the it's the gentleman from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's drinking from a tiny yellow teacup, and the tweet is: Whenever I visit a medical facility as someone in InfoSec and privacy. It says, "Come with me, and you'll be in a world of HIPAA violations." Oh, that's good.
2: <laughs> oh, I love it.
0: Anyway, sorry, Chad. We'll we'll drum roll for you.
2: Um, oh, that was that was better than a drum roll. Do we need the drum roll oh, after no. that fantastic song?
0: No, there you go. That's your drum roll.
2: Okay, deal. Uh, you are both correct. That is the lie. It was uh, 30-something percent of the Tor network. And I I, I realize a mistake now. I believe I shared that exact article with TARC the other day.
1: You did. And (laughs) guess
2: what? (laughs) Guess what? My
1: my silly brain remembered the one one in four stat. So I remember the author saying essentially one in four uh, requests over Tor were responsible for downgrade attacks. And I'm like, wait a minute. My math sucks, but that's twenty five, not fifty.
2: As as I, as I as I like was speaking it, I'm remembering like copying and pasting that into our Slack DMs, and I like damn it, this is going to be easy. <laughs> <laughs> you played yourself, kid. Yeah, yeah, that's what I get for sharing news. You have to like live in a silo. No no information sharing whatsoever is yeah. uh, the, yeah. the ultimate way to work this. That's, that's what you get for being
1: good at Thread and Tell, Chad. How dare you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Well, Tarek, um, I'll have a drink in victory. Thank you for reading and being so confident. That was hard to disagree with, I will say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm glad I could influence.
0: Oh boy. Well, thank you both for an incredible week. We'll of course be back next week for another episode of Breaking Badness in our matching sweatsuits. Tracksuits. Tracksuits, track suits. excuse me. All right, yeah. sweatsuits next week, then tracksuits the week after. All right, deal. Yeah, yeah, Hell yeah. Yeah, that's where we're at. All right, well, don't drink and click. And we'll see you next week on Breaking Badness. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter at DomainTools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at domaintools.com/resources/podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we publish our podcast and blog. That's all we have for this week. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.